Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business, entrepreneurship, marketing, and tea to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Today's guest on the podcast is Stephanie Sinclair, the founder and CEO of LaRue 1680, luxury tea and home lifestyle brand specializing in loose leaf tea inspired by her travels. And before LaRue, Stephanie built and ran an extremely successful consulting firm that works specifically with female entrepreneurs to build a strong following excited about saying yes about themselves, their products, and their services. And when the pandemic hit, damn, we're still in this thing. In 2020, Stephanie's first thought was how she could give a tangible product to help people during this stressful time. Immediately, she knew that her custom blend of tea that she's been making for the women she privately coached for years was just that recipe. She researched manufacturing the next day, and as little as four months later, La Rue 1680 was born, and a lot has changed, and she has grown since then. So let's break it down and welcome Stephanie Sinclair to the podcast. Stephanie, how you doing? Hello. I'm excited to be here. How are you? I'm excited to have you. And anyone listening, not sure exactly when this is going to come out, but this is the last recorded episode of 2021. So let's finish this one strong. So Stephanie, I love your story and I want to bring my tribe up to speed here and take them from where you started to where you are today. And most people, listen, most people I know love to travel. I've only think I met a handful of people that are like, oh, I hate travel, but your story seems to revolve around that desire to see the world and everything that it, it has to offer. So let's bring it back. Let's hit the rewind button. And where did this passion come from? Is there something we need to know before we even get into travel? Well, you know, I'm going to be very, very, very transparent with you. Something I've never said on a podcast. Um, but in high school, I was, I hated school. <laughs> let's mm. say that now. I You're hated not alone. school. And so by the time I got into high school, I, I kind of got into skipping school a little bit. Hmm. And, you know, most people skip school and they go get into things. I used to skip school and go to the library. And in the back of my local library was two sections. It was the entrepreneur section and the travel section. And so on the days that I was like, I hate going to this school, I went to the library and I fully absorbed those books and travel just happened to be the ones that I spent the most time in and seeing pictures of all these places. And my mom, single mom, worked full time. Grew up in Birmingham, right? Birmingham, Alabama. Yes. And she worked full time as a nurse. We traveled, but we didn't do any international travel. So I literally spent a lot of my high school career studying travel books and dreaming. So I think my love of travel started before I ever went anywhere. It's funny. It's funny you say that too. I didn't travel internationally until I was um, 
21. My first trip overseas was to Amsterdam, which is a whole other story. Um, but I've always had that passion. And, you know, I, I grew up and went to summer camp around a lot of international uh, folks from, from different countries, and they would talk about their, their home, and it, it got me excited. But I didn't really get to travel internationally until I was 20. And that, you know, lit my fire. And, and to say the miles we put on since have been many, many, many. But one thing I want to go back to, for anyone who's listening who's a little bit younger, uh, there's this place called the library, and this library has books. And the books are what we used to go to for our research before this thing called the internet. Do you remember encyclopedias? You remember the like we used to go, and I remember card catalogs and these card crazy old catalogs. machines. Like we had to look shit up. We had to like literally like figure things out. Now literally, you could Google anything you could possibly think about anything, or ask yeah. Alexa. You could literally yell a question into the air, and a qu and the answer is going to come back to you. How crazy is that? It is bananas. Like people, <laughs> children don't even know what encyclopedias is. I'm like, what is this? Oh my God. I used to love the library though. And I feel like that is something that a lot of, of children will never really experience so, in the way that we did. So Stephanie, I want to like go back to that library. Um, was there a certain country area of the world that really spoke to you in those books that really lit your fire? Yeah, Italy. It was oh. yes, which is very interesting because I just got back from Italy. It was also the first country I went to, so mm -hmm. I knew at sixteen that I was Italian in my heart. Oh, I mean, how could how could you not? I have a good friend that lives in Ischia, so we've had the mm -hmm. opportunity to to travel the Amalfi and everything too. And there, there's something about Italy. There's something about the people, the air, the food, the water everything about it let me ask you what was so italy was your was your first international trip how old are yeah, you i am i'll be 40 in february oh congrats how old are you when you when you took your first international trip first international trip i would have been 27 and was that italy italy and where'd you go I went tell to us about that trip oh you sicily. went you went deep you went to the bottom of the boot yeah i went to sicily and that it was probably the best thing, though, because Sicily, Why? even though because it's so full of these little small villages and it's kind of like the south part of the United States. We have like this reputation of being friendly and welcoming and loving. And that's exactly what Sicily is. I as a matter of fact. I think this, no, not, I think I know this is the first time I announced it, but I actually, when the trip I just got back on, I just closed on a house in Italy, actually in Sicily. Congratulations. Yes, just, that's how much I love it. And so oh, wow. I knew as soon as I got the opportunity to do something like that, I would, but I went to a very small town outside of um, Palermo called Sfera Cavallo and no one could speak English and everyone bent over backwards to communicate with me and- um, I have now what's called an Italian family and I still really can't speak much Italian, but we communicate and they welcome prego. me. Prego. That's all you have to say is prego. Just say prego to everything. Prego, but, prego, but, prego, but, prego. But Sicily, but there's, there's different, there's different, like the United States, there's different, there's slightly different dialects. It is. Right. There, there's different slang. Like for example, my buddy in Ischia, he has a little bit different slang than, than Northern Italy, than, than, than down in, um, uh, in Sicily too. Let me ask you this. Uh, what is what is the, your the best meal that you've ever had in Italy? Oh, 
So um, I'm going to totally screw up how to say it, but it's Zupa. I got Zupa down. It's soup. And it's right on the Mediterranean. Zupa de Cozy is literally a mussel soup. Seafood. And, yeah. and what I love is that they go fish it out the water. Right there. You can see the boat come in. They take it. They bring it into the kitchen and it's on your plate. And you cannot get fresher than that in the world. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's brilliant. I love it. So I would definitely say that. I mean, the pizza is amazing, of course. You never really, you think you have pizza. No, go to Napoli and have the original Napoleon pizza and then you can talk to me. You know, people here, they're like, oh, Pizza Hut. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. People ask me all the time because I'm from Brooklyn and I have a, obviously I'm very biased towards Brooklyn pizza, but I also have an appreciation of regional pizzas especially from italy right like it's a birthplace and they always ask me what's your favorite pizza that you've ever had outside of new york and i say when you take the ferry from napoli to ischia mm-hmm. the original napoleon pizza place is literally at the ferry terminal right over there and we we've done it twice you get the pizza before you go on on the ferry and it is just i, I mean it's 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 magic i mean and i mean and- you have to respect <laughs> it because it's also the birthplace it just is. Oh, and carbonara is also amazing, right? The carbonara. Cacio de Pepe. I mean, you want to get into uh, Italian food. Okay, so we we digress here. Um, what was what was it like? Tell us, like the what was the first trip that you took with your son? Um, international trip. That was the first international trip, and actually, wait, wait. So you took your first international trip with your son? Yep, with my son, and also so it's worth it together. My very first international trip. We were leaving for a year. So not wow. only had I never been international, I decided this is when I was going to go on my own eat, pray, love journey. Mm. With and your son. With my son. And, yep. And how old was he at the time? He would have been six. Wow. So you six. got up and left with your son at six. And, and I mean. You got to be a little crazy. Let's dig into that a little bit. Let's unpack. What was the impetus behind it? Why did you want to get up and leave? Um... Were, well, you, it's were you running from I something? Wanted... Were you were you trying to avoid something here, or were you really wanted to have that that e pray love experience with your son? Well, part of it was as a single parent. One of the things people tell you, especially being young and being a single parent, one of the things people tell you is your life is over. All this travel you dream of doing, you're never going to be able to do it. And the thing about my personality is, if you tell me I can't do it. I'm going to do it. Nothing will stop me from moving forward. And so it took me six years to be able to do it, but I wanted to prove that I could do it. Now, initially, um, before years prior, I never thought about the eat, pray, love journey. And as we were coming up to the first trip, I watched eat, pray, love a gazillion times. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? Um, I was a consultant. I could work anywhere on the internet. And I thought, you know what? This may be a really good opportunity to just do my own e pray love journey, like a year. What's going to stop me when he gets older? So now my son, of course, is in traditional school. We could never travel. People say it's actually easier to travel when your kids are younger. I agree. I I have a three and a half year old. I'm not going anywhere with him until he's seven. Anything outside of Grand Canyon, he might find his way to the bottom quickly. It's much easier. Like now, of course, he has his friends solidified. It will be so hard no to way. pull him out for a full year. So yeah, that is where it came from. Love Just it. really wanting to prove people, prove to people that nothing can stop you from what you want to do if you really want to. And children won't stop you. 
Stephanie, um, one thing I just want to throw your way, and I, I have a dear friend, uh, Leah Turner, and she doesn't call herself a single parent. She calls herself an only parent. Interesting, <gasps> right? Right, mm-hmm. changing it from single to an I actually kind of like that. Yeah, so just just an interesting thing over there. So, um, travel, awesome, love the travel bug. Incredibly envious, and in, in, that you you took your son to have that experience and forging those memories that you you'll 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 you, people could only dream about. But let's talk professionally. Um, at that time, you were consulting. What, what were you doing? So business consulting, business marketing. I love businesses. I love watching businesses grow and a little bit obsessed with how a person can pull brands out of thin air and they catch on. Um, what, what were the challenges you had working for somebody else? Oh, goodness. Because, well, right, like a real entrepreneur, like I know for me, I my life changed when I stopped working for other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. So a few things. I A lot of people don't agree with this, but I do think there is a spirit of entrepreneurship that you're just kind of born with, right? I do think that. And I was really kind of unemployable anyway. Why? I really like to buck the system. Yeah. Because a lot of times what I would find in the traditional company environments is people were against change. And as an entrepreneur, I love new things, trying new things and change. And that was very difficult feeling like I was in a box as as an employee. I was very much in a box and I did not like it. So that was one part. The other part was when my son gets sick at daycare, I have to go. It's you. Cannot, this is not a conversation that we're going to have. And I think things are getting different now. But at that time, it was no conversation. It's like, no, your job comes first. And it's like, well, no, my son comes first. I mean, it's not even like a, like, we're not even debate. This is not a debate and it's not a question. Exactly. And that was something that I ran across more than I wanted to. And so I knew that I needed to do something else. But the reality was my passion was to create something of my own. So I knew that even when I went, you know, and got the job, I knew that eventually I would create something of my own. I did not know yet what that was, right. but I knew eventually Stephanie would create something of her own. And, and what is Sinclair? And, and you created Sinclair Business Systems. Tell us about that. Yes. And actually that was not my first thing. No. What was the first thing? If you can see, I know people probably can't see on camera, but right behind me here, I'm the kitchen. I'm the kitchen with Queen. In the kitchen with Queen. In the kitchen. It's cut up. Yes. In the kitchen with Queen. Yes. I used to have a cooking show. And actually, I funded it, got commercials. It was regional. Um, We were in seven states. And so, originally, which is funny, you, you will notice the loop around. I wanted to create a lifestyle brand around food, around drinks, around home and cooking. And I like uh, you. Producing your own show. It's so number. It's difficult. All the money kept going back to the show. And remember, I'm a parent. I need the money. <laughs> it's not working. So you know, 
I didn't want to, but I needed to find something that was going to find life a little bit better than that. That was my passion. I love it. I love lifestyle brand. I love to talk so, to you about food and drink and decor and all those things. But Stephanie, let's talk. Let's let's talk about the you know the tough times. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you you hit close to rock bottom. Evicted the car, repossessed. What? How'd you bounce back from that? Oh goodness. Definitely. That sucks, right? The treasure's in your shit pit, right? The treasure's in oh. your shit pit. You got to dig yourself out of that pit. It is horrible. It, it, it's it's horrible. And nothing's worse than having a small child and being evicted. Or better yet, even moving to a place and your child thinks you're just having fun picnics in the dining nope. room. Nope. When nope. the reality was I didn't even have a dining room table. So we were sitting on the floor on a blanket, eating dinner on the floor. Um, you know... I just kind of consider them a little bit of war wounds. They're mm -hmm. just a, a little piece of my story, but it was worth it to me. Could I have gone back to work while I built a business? I could have, but not really for my personality. I need, I knew that my company deserved 100% of my energy. Exactly. So if that meant we didn't have a dining room table, well, let's... Well Bread a blanket and let's have a picnic. Stephanie, those are the sacrifices that you make. And I, and I truly believe this in my heart that you're not a real entrepreneur unless you're ready to make those sacrifices. Unless you're ready to eat what you kill, right? Because if you don't produce, literally, you and your son are not eating. Exactly. Right? It, I had to figure it out. You figure it out. And, you know, as a, a business coach and consultant, I was definitely one of those people that excuses were something I was not willing to take because I've lived this. And so you're choosing to not do the work that's necessary. But I wrote a book called Shut Up and Do the Work. Like, shut Love up that your title. <laughs> shut up your reasoning. Just shut up do and do the work. work. That's it. You can't get you anywhere really without doing the work. You got to hustle. You got to grind to make shit happen. You get it done. No one else is doing it for you, Stephanie. Nope, not at all. And so, you know, even though when you're in it, it feels so hard and it feels so long. Now I'm looking back. I'm like, oh, you know what? It wasn't even that long, mm. <laughs> you know, but thankfully, thankfully, thankfully. And I'm glad you said that about um, the your friend who changed it from single parent. I mean, I had a home to go to. I had my, my mom if I needed to go home. I didn't want to go home. Who is this old and wants to go home? But no, I did. we love our parents, but not all the time. Exactly. I do not want to see you all day, every day. No, we're, so, we're good. I was able to go home, which is something a lot of people can't say. And so I went home. And even though my mother fussed day in and day out about I need to get a job, she was not putting me out. And eventually I figured it out and I was able to leave forever. So before 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 that that life-changing moment where you could leave your mom's house what was what was what was that hardest lesson right when you when you were down when you're down at your lowest i mean what was one of those hard lessons that really you look back on it and you say you know what stephanie thank god we went through that this is you talking to yourself thank you stephanie thank god we went through that because i wouldn't be where i am today unless i experienced it learned a lesson and overcame it yeah you know this is going to sound really crazy, but I Go actually feel that way about the eviction. I appreciate that happening because I realized no one's going to come save me. It was in that because I actually was trying to borrow money. I looked everywhere. No one is going to save you. And so I think 
at that point, even though I had was doing some marketing, I was doing some advertising, I really was not a thousand percent behind it, even though I thought I was. It felt like I was, but it's something about you don't have a place to live that makes you fine. Yeah, it's gonna motivate you. Yes. And after that, I realized what I was calling a hundred percent was like fifty percent had like it is was it, no way. I I didn't have the capacity right, for more. Right. Isn't that crazy? Like you think you're working your ass off until you actually work your ass off. Like you, mm -hmm. you think and you rock are. Bottom, rock like, bottom. You will find more. All of a sudden you will be exhausted before rock bottom at this space. And then when you hit rock bottom, all of a sudden this space, you still feel the energy. Rock bottom gives you more capacity. I appreciate it. Rock bottom. Because there's no Focus greater foundation to build on. There's no greater foundation to build on than nothing. Exactly. And what nothing do you have to lose? What do you have at, at, at zero? What did I have to lose about starting a YouTube channel? And then, I mean, being a woman, one of the things we think about, it's like, oh, but my hair, but my makeup, but my this, but my that, but my video equipment isn't amazing. Being at rock bottom now, you like, I deleted that channel years ago, but I have screenshots of some of those videos and I look at those and I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, the idea that I got on camera. But, but that's how I started back making money. Yeah. That's how I rebounded being at zero. All of a sudden it didn't matter. I showed up everywhere. I was live streaming or on video. And back then it wasn't like live stream on Facebook. They didn't have it. It used to be um, Ustream or Justin TV. I don't know if you remember those. I remember Ustream. Yep. Yes. I used to be on those like every single day when before I would like, oh, I don't want to like bother people. I don't want to go live every day. I want to post every day. No, when you're at rock bottom, mm -hmm. I'm going to post all day, every day. You're going to get sick of me. You're going to buy <laughs> this thing. <laughs> CEOs and chief people leaders don't magically wake up with a staff full of people ready to execute their vision. And nowadays it's harder than ever to find a decent staff without it taking months. That's where HireRect comes in. HireRect is the first chat-based hiring app that lets hiring managers and recruiters chat directly with job seekers. Just download the app and enjoy curated recommendations that fit your job description to a T. It's 10 times faster than any other hiring process on the market. And the best part, it's totally free. Download HireRect today, available in all app stores across the US. Please visit www.hirect.us backslash recruit. And tell them that you heard of it from Adam on the podcast. Thanks. So let, let's take everyone to the story. And we're going to bring it back full circle here. What came first? Were you already thinking about the next phase of business and entrepreneurship? Or did you have this passion for the tea? What came first? The tea, the business? Where, where were we here? Well, you know, I want to say for like the last four years, probably three or four years, just looking at the industry um, and thinking about where I really wanted my life to go. The truth is, and this is where it circles back around. Right. I have such a passion for a lifestyle brand that really lights me up. I could talk about this forever. I love business. I do have a passion for business, but not like we can just sit up and talk about fine china. <laughs> No, but like, let me let me ask you a question. What is what is for anyone out there who does not know, what is the difference between a lifestyle brand and just having a loose leaf tea brand? What's a, yeah, what's, so a, what's a differentiator? 
So, because it's not, that's how we're starting. That's mm-hmm. how we started rather. But a lifestyle brand is every, specifically for this one, is everything around kitchen and home. Mm-hmm. So we will, we are expanding into plates, dishes, silverware, um, sconces. You got, you know what a sconce is? You know what a sconce Sadly, is. Sadly, like, I know what a sconce is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, yes, a lot of, I, know what Wayne, I know what Wayne Scotting is. I know sconces. Okay. I know. okay. <laughs> yes. So we're starting with tea, of course, to be solidified as, because tea is a lifestyle drink. It's not like coffee. Coffee, you like grab coffee and go. Here's an example. Right now I'm drinking coffee, right? There's a ritual the to coffee. coffee. There's a ritual to coffee. There's some people who it's are real coffee aficionados same. that get it. It's not the same. It's not the same, no. but there are. I just don't want to, I don't want to insult my coffee drinking audience here. No, I love coffee. I have coffee right now. You're drinking right coffee now. right now. Yeah, but when I grab coffee, I am working, I am doing, I am right. going. When I drink tea, I You're am chilling so on a tea. Exactly. I drink I drink a cup of tea before I do my podcast. To kind of calm bring it down a it little bit. It brings it down. I but I drink I'm a green I love there's two teas. I love green tea mm-hmm. instead of coffee when I need it and I love chamomile tea at night with mm-hmm. with CBD infused honey. That's my magic okay, formula. Okay, I'm here for the CBD infused honey. Yes, it is. It is. I like. That. We'll talk about that <laughs> offline. But that's my that's my tea regimen. Yes. So you know how that energy is just so different from coffee um, than it's... tea. So tea in itself is a lifestyle. Most tea drinkers, it's a certain lifestyle that goes around that you're not just like grabbing a to go cup of tea most of no. the time, right? Um, so yeah, that when I say lifestyle brand, that's what I am speaking of, a lifestyle of a tea drinker or creating or cultivating a specific type of lifestyle. So talk to us how you cultivated this idea and brought it to life. You know, well, first off, let me start here. I hated tea. So let's get that out the way. So you're not a tea drinker. No. Even no. when you went to even when you traveled, which is pretty well, big. Travel is what got me into tea. So hmm. of course, Birmingham, Alabama, when we think of the South and tea, we think of sweet, sweet. tea. Tea. Damn good. And I was that person who hated sweet tea. It's like <laughs> I call it diabetes tea. It's like it's, it's full of sugar. I do not tea. Like, <laughs> right? like I don't like it. Yeah. So when I I was one of those, and this is important because I find this to be most Americans. I w- and I am saying American. There was a, a whole bunch of research done. I'm not insulting anyone here. True. Americans don't think of tea as vast as it is. There are over a thousand different varieties. Americans don't think of tea like that, right? And because we're not really a tea culture. We used to be, but we're not a tea culture. We revolted against the tea culture. Literally, we revolted against the tea. We threw the tea into Boston Harbor. We revolted against the tea. Literally. (laughs) Literally. Um, So, other than that, and maybe like a a mint tea or something like that, I didn't really think of tea. Nice tea. But my son, remember he was six when we were traveling. My son loves tea, loves tea. I came downstairs today and I'm like, why do I have teapots all over my counter? Because he got up in the middle of the night making tea. He loves tea. Um, He would drink the tea when we traveled. So when we hit um, Asia and Singapore and Bali and Thailand, tea is a huge part of the culture. culture. Yeah, and morning. you will go into different spas or you will go into different shops and they will offer you tea. Mm-hmm. I would always say, no, bring me water. He would always say yes. So this particular day, he looked at me so sweet and he said, mommy, taste my tea. And I said, no, I hate tea. And he was like, you're going to love this. And you're a parent. You're going to understand this. He worked my nerves so bad about tasting that tea. 
I said, just give me the tea. Give me the Let damn me tea. Just give it to me. <laughs> so I tasted the tea and I was like, what is this? Oh my God, this is good. What is this? This is in Bali, right? It was a ginger turmeric honey tea. Mm. Very simple, but it blew my mind because that is not the flavor profile I would have given to tea. So that opened my door of exploration of teas. Can we pause on that for a second? I want to talk about your son's sophisticated palate for a moment here. And I mean this without kidding, without joking. You know, the fact that you exposed him early on to different Mm -hmm. flavors is incredible. And my wife and I talk about it all the time because I was literally meatloaf, chicken nuggets, mac and cheese till I was 20 years old. Wow. I didn't really have a true culinary revolution of myself. And now I consider myself a borderline foodie until my mid-20s. But wow. I want my kids to be different. I want them to try different things. I have a three and a half year old and a nine year old. It's tough. But it's that's tough when to get you them. expose them. When they're mm-hmm. the younger, you expose them. So my son has been eating raw oysters since he was like seven or eight. He loves raw oysters. That's great. He's fifteen now. He loves raw oysters. So take it. So take. So take us quickly through the story of Alaru and you know how how it started to, to where you are today. Yeah. So really, it was more so during the pandemic. A lot of the teas that I would import in, everything took way too long to get. Mm. And I am an like entrepreneurs. I'm a little impatient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm a little impatient. So I started making more of the tea blends here at home. But then I started thinking, who else would like tea and would like to be able to get a really good quality tea? So I started offering them to my clients first, who would more than happy love to try them and enjoy them. And then I said, you know what? Let me research this a little bit more. How you start a tea business. I looked at the margins. Entrepreneur in me said this. You would be stupid to not. I mean, it's one of the oldest businesses on earth, the tea trade. I mean, seriously, there's got to be a good margin in it somehow. Oh, it is. It's amazing. And I love that as an entrepreneur. And then I just started researching manufacturers, did a little Mm -hmm. taste testing. And four months later, we were here. And I did not have, you know, what we would suggest to most business owners, of course, is you have a full business plan and where do you want it to go? I did not know. I I just got it started and we figured out as we go, I am definitely to jump out of the plane with a parachute figured out. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to build this plane as we're flying it, Stephanie. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yep. And so we started that in October of 2020 and here we are. Here we are. And I'm not asking for sales numbers, but talk to us about growth. Oh, wow. At least 500%. I mean, listen, you got picked up by CNN Today Show, Martha Stewart. That could help. Oh, let me know who your PR people are. Well, I know who your PR people are. They they got you on the podcast. Come on. They're doing something right. But listen, let me tell you the funny thing. And you're going to understand this. The first couple of months, it was just like, oh, that's a cute story. (laughs) Oh, that's a cute story, but we'll pass. It's a cute story, but... And what I will forever, as a matter of fact, in the warehouse, in the offices, I have framed the very first article that mentioned us was Vogue. Of anywhere, Vogue, right? Go big and go home, Steph. Yes, Vogue, very first. And that one blurb, it was one sentence. What did it say? I don't remember. It was talking about, (laughs) I don't even remember. But it was about Bridgerton and um, why I think Bridgerton affects T-sales. Well, we call it the Bridgerton bump. It, exactly. But it was one little sentence, something I came up with really quickly on the fly. I literally got a text like, Stephanie, can you come up with a statement real quick? Someone at Vogue once said, I'm in the car coming up with the statement. Shoot it over real quick. <laughs> we did not even know that it had come out yet. 
we had no idea. And then all of a sudden, everybody else started coming. And that started it. And over the course of six months, I couldn't even name everywhere we've been. And it completely changed business. I mean, before then, I'll tell you, like before then, sales were like the biggest month we had had was $4,000, which is not a lot for business at all. Um, And then after that, it's like, oh, wait, we can be a viable business. Hold on to the point that we had to get warehouses. I was running it from my bottom floor in my um, my garage. And it was no way. We could not fill orders here. I had nowhere to put tea. And now we're in a 2,500 square foot space. That's insane. Hey, everybody. First, I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at thepausecourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster using it for B2B, a B2C, it's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at thepausecourse.com and learn all my secrets. Thanks. What's the secret behind the product's success? Is it a combination of the quality of the product? There's a lot of tea out there, right? Like, and you're also competing with with the big boys and girls out there. You know, you're competing with the big brands. But A, I assume that that's not your audience. You're going for more of the aficionado versus yeah. the, uh, I don't know, tea league, Lipton, you know, exactly. kind of customer out there, right? You have a certain niche, specific audience, different stores, different locations. But like, how'd you get it out there? Was it, were you hitting the, pounding the pavement, getting it in front of people? So my magic has always been lifestyle. Remember that is my is my thing. And so when I think about who the competition is, there's not really much competition that's focused on the lifestyle of tea and not just like, oh, here's the the tea lee, here's the the lifestyle of tea, tea rituals. There's not many people for there is a company in the UK, but that would be the only one. And they're a bazillion years old. I don't even consider them competition. I'm inspired by them. Are you just in the States now? Or have you expanded internationally? No, we are international. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the the little town that I bought a place in, they are carrying our teas now in the Hope bed so. and breakfasts there. So this is incredible. And how many folks do you have working for you right now? Uh, well, now we are up to 11 people, Yeah, and what's your which pro- doesn't seem like a no. lot of people, but well, your first, it was me and my son. The first, the first full-time hire, and I just had mine a few months back, your first full-time hire, you'll always remember, cause that's a real sign of, 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 of growing there. But Steph, what's your, what's your, don't hope you don't mind me calling you that. I feel like no, I'm it's fine. what's, what's your approach to leading and managing people? So to be honest, that is the most difficult thing to me. Really, if I was to be, and it's something I don't hear a lot of people talk about, is the managing of people, because I am definitely like, okay, this is what you need to do. Go do it. Go go fly, which tends to work for my leadership team, definitely. And I let them manage of the, the warehouse staff. 
it works for the management team because they don't want to be micromanaged mm -hmm. either. It was the one thing that I didn't, I also didn't like that from working in corporate America. I didn't like micromanagement. And so I tend to think that if you just give people room to fly, which is also, let me add, let's not forget this part. That's difficult as well, because I always think I can do it better. Like, no, you're doing it wrong. Hold on. Let me get in here. But giving your mm -hmm. team room to quote unquote, it's tremendous. Wrong, and figure it out. That's when you win. Yeah, that's a soundbite. That's a sound. That's a soundbite right there, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. um, I want to close out the conversation around LaRue. It's an incredible story, and we'll give everyone where to check it out in a little bit. Um, what What does 2022 look like for you? What is your biggest opportunity and challenge? Oh, wow. The biggest challenge is keeping the excitement around the brand. I think it's always the, the biggest challenge is never letting people get too comfortable forgetting we exist. Uh, the biggest opportunity, I think, is our expansion into other products. Um, we, of course, are French-inspired, European-inspired brand. And so we have like French shopping totes that's coming out. Nice. Other products. I think that is the, the biggest growth opportunity is now let's go deeper than tea. Because what if you're not a tea drinker? Um, we need other other products to... to right. To and, 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 and gifting too. I mean, what's the competition out there? Yeah, it's not even the, the funny thing is it's not a lot when it comes to tea. Like I said, mm. um, most people, I don't know if you notice this. You say you're a tea drinker. Do you drink tea, like regular tea in the bags, or are you a loose leaf tea drinker? No, um we 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 do tea in the bags at this stage. It's a, it's from a um it's not even a a a time perspective because it doesn't take much longer with loose leaf tea. It it's the same no. concept. I just don't have a loose leaf teapot or have loose leaf tea. I mean oh, I so we're gonna fix that. Let me send you some tea because this is ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you. But we I also I mean I'll be honest with you, I actually like the tea at Trader Joe's. Yeah. I think so Trader Joe's has a good tea selection. I mean, that's um, just my and maybe I mean I don't know if I'm talking out of school here. I'm no tea aficionado, but I actually think some of their teas, my wife loves their pom they have a pomegranate one that's good, and I, I feel like it's maybe a little smaller batch produced, maybe a little bit better quality than just getting, you know, the Lipton stuff and so Walmart's. So I definitely think so. I definitely think a Trader Joe's and we won't say everything at Whole Foods because everything at Whole Foods isn't like organic or healthy anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I would say Trader Joe's is a good, a good selection. Not better than mine, but there's <laughs> really good. Yeah, there's a really good selection there. And again, it's better than like a tea leaf, honestly, or um or a Lipton. It's still not necessarily the the loose leaf. It's so here's the thing, you know, the bag, there is no way to create a bag without chemicals that won't fall apart in water. So you're taking something that's created with chemicals and putting hot water on top of it. You're, you're, you're forcing the disintegration of whatever chemicals that was made with into, you're infusing your tea with inorganic particles. Exactly. And so- I'm a scientist. Even <laughs> if it's an organic- tea right as soon as you put it in the bag it shifts it and so that's part of the thing that i want to teach people with larue it's huh. like yeah you can find things that taste good people think mcdonald's tastes good but are we really gonna talk about like the no thing? let's 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 not talk but i do want to ask one quick question where'd the name come from larue 1680 so i have been learning french and it was je m'appelle adam the art 
Oui, salle de bain. That's all I know in French. There's my, my name and where the heck's the bathroom. R. It, the French R is so difficult depending on where it's placed. And it was the first word that I struggled with and the easiest one. Like once I managed it, I was like, oh, La Rue. And so it means street. It means street. And so the thing about La Rue 1680, I always say, it's tea that transports you. And so if you notice the different names of uh -huh. our classic blends are locations. So all of our everyday classic blends are India Street, Vanilla Chai, Casablanca Street. So where they're coming from, right? Inspired. Yeah. I, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's where that's where it came from. So In 1680, people ask me about 1680 all the time. Right. I dreamt it. It's nothing magic. I wish it was magical. I sometimes it. sometimes it just has to work. And everyone definitely go to um, LaRue1680.com. I'll drop that again at the end. But um, let's talk about the podcast real quick, The School of Quantum Living. Who's it for? Oh, Who's what are you? I mean, there's a reason the podcast is a top global career podcast. Right? I mean, we do the research. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Chris Mueller, my producer out there doing some great yes. research. So tell us about who the show and who's it's for. Yeah. So I love the podcast. I love the School of Quantum Living because one of the things I don't know if you noticed from us having a conversation about, I'm a dreamer and I believe that we create everything. We are responsible for creating every experience in our life. And so it's teaching people how to really step into that. And so I used to say it was for women entrepreneurs until men started jumping in there and jumping on me. Like, you do know we listen to your show, right? Right. Why do you got to discriminate? You know, it's like Exactly. So, but let me so it turns out it's for men and women who really want to step into a more powerful place in their life and be in Love more it. control of their experiences. That's fantastic. And everyone could check that out. And let me ask you this. I mean, what advice would you give specifically to female entrepreneurs out there? What is that golden piece of advice that you were handed down in regards mm -hmm. to female entrepreneurship to really empower all the women out there that are trying to build and make their own businesses? Yeah. Put yourself first which is something we as women don't do. Be willing to put yourself, your needs and your desires first. Most of the time we wait until our kids are mm -hmm. adults, they graduate, all these different things before we follow our dreams. And children, husbands are not excuses to nope. not do what you desire. And I know that may seem really small, but that's huge because so many women decide, I am going to wait on my dream because fill in the blank. Hmm. That's a good one there. Let's bring it home. Stephanie, what is what is your superpower? What do you do better than almost anyone on this planet that makes you who, who you are? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tough podcast question. That one's interesting. What do I do better than anyone else? You know, this may seem weird, but I think just my existence is such a motivator for so many people, just seeing what's possible. I think in that I walk my talk better than anybody else I know. And I think that's my superpower. Anybody watching on video, I'm smiling really big right now. I love it. And Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie Sinclair, last but not least, right? You, you look back on, on your life and the journey and you look back at those times, like let's go to the ship pit when you were evicted and you lost your car and you're having that picnic with your son and, and you had to dig down deep and harness that inner tenacity that you have so much inside of you and find that compass to pull you out and to pull you forward in the right direction. On the flip side of that, right now we're sitting here, so proud of your business, your success, incredible son that you're raising, and you want to show gratitude. Stephanie Sinclair, what is your compass in life? What is your North Star? Oh, 
What is this? Is so difficult. I wish you had sent this question. <laughs> I, was, I mean, but listen, if you if you listen to the shows, and I mean, I've asked this question two hundred two hundred times in the last three years. I've asked him. So what I'm doing now is a pause podcast technique called delaying. This allows the guest to think about the question a little bit. I could kind of free flow here, but what is your focal point? What drives you more than anything on this earth to do what you do as best you can? You know. It might sound weird and I wish it was something bigger, but it's legacy. It's what I'm going to be remembered for and what what I the footprint I'm leaving on this earth. And more than anything, I want to be remembered as a person who inspired women to do anything and not be afraid to shift and change. Often we're scared to to pivot and we're scared to turn corners. And leg- legacy is it. What am I going to be remembered for? And I, I want to make sure I'm doing more than existing. Stephanie, there's nothing bigger than legacy. There's mm-hmm. nothing bigger than legacy on the impact we're going to leave on this earth and how we're going to be remembered. Stephanie Sinclair, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hang with me one moment here as I sign off. I want everybody, please check out larue1680.com. Stephanie, where else can folks find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more? Yeah, LaRue1680 on all social platforms or Stephanie Sinclair also. If you want to be inspired, motivated, Stephanie Sinclair. I love it. And we'll link everyone up there too. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. And everyone listening at home, thank you for spending the last 41 minutes and 53 seconds with Stephanie and I. You know where to find out more all at thepodcast.com. Remember, if you like this show, sharing means caring. Please send it out. Leave a review rating. It goes a long way. And last but not least. Take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search the podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.